0: Welcome to God is Open. I am your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we're going to be reviewing Matt Slick's round one statement on his debate with Will Duffy, is open theism a proper representation of the God of the scripture? And let's keep in mind that uh, that's what the debate's about. If uh, God of open theism is a proper representation of God of the Bible, do you think Matt Slick, what does he appeal to? Does he appeal to philosophy or the Bible? know I'm a betting man. I've seen this debate, so maybe you guys uh, might want to put a little wager on that. What does he appeal to? Does he appeal to philosophy or the Bible, Matt Slick? Is he a man of man of uh, an intellectual rigor who examines texts and understands the Bible and is able to tell us uh, interesting insights about the biblical text, or is he a man of rhetoric who just wants to make absurd statements, emotional claims, and uh, just to, almost exclusively rely on logical fallacies. Let's listen.
1: In my opening statement, I can't respond to everything he said. Maybe in a cross-examination we might be able to do that. So the topic tonight is, is open theism a proper representation of the God of Scripture? And the answer is, absolutely no way. In yeah. fact...
0: Uh, absolutely no way. So hopefully, within this absolutely no way, you're going to refer to and talk about all those different proof texts that Will Duffy threw out, just in the round prior the hundreds upon hundreds of verses in the bible showing that god changes he's active he's living he's within time he hopes for the future he's he's actively watching the world seeing what man's going to do response to that sometimes regretting his own decisions repenting about uh, things that he intended to do things that he said he was going to do generally changing his mind showing mercy sometimes repenting for his own sake These types of things just throughout the Bible, everywhere in the Bible. So there's absolutely no way. Maybe you're going to address those verses. Maybe you're going to tell us what those verses mean. Or or you just going to rely on 100% philosophy? Uh, In contradiction
1: to Scripture, open theism presents a faulty view of God, including such things as God does not know the future exhaustively. God takes risks. God can make mistakes. God learns. God can change his mind. And in the view of my opponent, God has the capability of sinning. So yeah, let's,
0: let's, let's hope you provide some sort of semblance of evidence to prove those outrageous claims that those things aren't biblical. And let's hope that you don't use loaded language when you're referring to God's mistakes, because not, I, maybe one or two open theists, but mostly open theists don't use that language making mistake. It's usually not a mistake if you're doing everything with the best of intentions, with the best knowledge, but then someone fails. Someone in your team, you create a team to accomplish a task, and they fail you. It's not a mistake on your part. You're not making a mistake, right? Right, Matt Slick? Maybe maybe not use loaded
1: language, but go on. Such things are more in line with Mormonism than the God of Scripture. Folks, I've been studying this for 37 years. I know Mormonism.
0: Yeah, so Islam has one of their prime pillars of uh, their, their doctrine is predestination. So you got uh, Calvinists and their predestination. You got the, the jihadists, Muhammadists, and their predestination. They're very similar. We don't like uh, jihadists. Uh, and they're like the Calvinists. They have similar beliefs. And so we shouldn't like the Calvinists, right? So that's an ad hominem. That's attacking a person rather than the idea itself. And he does this, and he poisons the well. Look at his little face there if you got the screen. Pointed up, he's like, "Mm." but uh, he's poisoning the well. He's using emotional arguments because he's an emotional man. He's not fact based. He doesn't use rationality to make his cases, especially not in debates. And you see, Will Duffy is is of the two of them, the one who more focuses on the text and what the text means in context. Matt Slick will do this this quick proof texting where he'll take a verse, he'll hit it real quickly, he'll skip over the context, he won't explain how it reinforces what he's saying, and he thinks by laying side to side little references to verses and his philosophy that he's actually making some sort of point. He's not. He's using emotion, he's appealing to philosophy throughout this debate. And, and let's talk about real quickly about the Platonistic origins of Calvinism and these ideas about God that he's proffering in this debate. Platonistic origins admitted to by the church fathers. Augustine said in his confessions, he confessed that uh, he, he thought the Bible was absurd and he rejected the Bible. And this was until, until that uh, Simplicanus told him to interpret the Bible in light of Plotinus a Neoplatonist philosopher. And as we also learned from the debate, Matt doesn't know who Plotinus was. He doesn't. When I asked him, I was there personally, I asked him a question that, uh, do you affirm this statement? Because he kept doing this Mormon thing to Will Duffy or trying to equate him with Mormonism. So I said, do you affirm the statement? And it was a statement by Plotinus. He said, yes, I pointed out it was by Plotinus. I was doing to him what he did to Will Duffy and he didn't know who Plotinus was. He, he thought it was like, uh, we were talking about Pliny or something like that. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. We learned a lot of interesting things about Matt Slick from this debate, from my personal interaction with uh, Matt Slick. He doesn't know Greek. He he just relies 100% on his Bible software. He doesn't know anything about the text. He doesn't know anything about the Byzantine text. He's he, he has his. We were talking to him about the word all as used in the Bible. He went home that night did some computer research after he got blindsided and schooled on the subject. And he came back the next day and he's like, now we could have a Bible lesson. I could teach you something about this. No, you know nothing about it. I'm not going to learn from you. You, you. you just went home after, after being totally schooled in the use of the word. And uh, you're coming back the next day pretending to be an expert. He puts on this air of superiority. He pretends to know what he's talking about, but he's a fraud. This man's a fraud. And we really learned this from this debate. We learned all sorts of things about Matt Slick. He doesn't know what the Byzantine text was. He doesn't. And he doesn't know Greek. He doesn't know Greek. In the questions and answers, I even pointed it out to him. Now, this is the second debate in the questions and answers, if you go to that. The word form, I was asking him about this verb, if it was middle or passive. And uh, I asked him what the word form, the, the word morphology would be if it was middle. And he didn't know. He didn't know because he doesn't know Greek. He can't read Greek. And so his, his reliance on that particular verb being passive because middle would completely destroy all his theology. His theology would be false if his middle. His reliance on that being passive was just based on his computer software clicking and zero understanding of how Greek verbs work, the middle and the passive, the difference between the two and how they function and how you tell them apart in context. He just didn't know. He didn't know Greek. Now, I'm not claiming to be a Greek expert myself, but I do know that one thing. I do know that one thing. And I was able to, to illustrate that very nicely in the debate. I don't think he was very happy after that round of questioning and being, being humiliated in front of a live audience on, on Greek. He didn't know what the Greek word was. He had to ask Will Duffy what the word was in English. Really funny, really funny, but
1: let's go on. This is what Mormonism teaches.
0: In open theism, God does not know
1: everything that is going to happen. Therefore, in his Rick debate with Pastor Jaltus in 2008, Mr. Duffy, Mr. Duffy, Will, says that, quote, there is no, uh, excuse me, quote, no existing exhaustive account of everything that will happen, close quote. Without this principle, open theism fails. But nothing in the Bible states that God is ignorant of the future. In fact, if anything, we see statements <laughs> of the contrary.
0: What? Will Duffy, his, his entire first round, had uh, He referenced, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 30 verses, something like that, uh, proving just that. But you just ignored all that. You just said nothing shows that. Are you going to address those verses, really?
1: Psalm 139, 16 and 9. Know what you're going to say about it.
0: Okay, so look how casually he uses this language. He knows what someone will do in the future. Yeah, so I know what I'm going to do in the future. I know I'm going to go to work tomorrow and, uh, you know... I know this because I'm motivated to do that. Uh, I, I have the power to bring that to past, and I am motivated to do that. There's, there's good benefits in it. So I'm going to make that happen. It's, it's something I know in the future. But he's going to apply a different knowledge to God. And uh, he's quoting Psalms 139. And uh, so what's his take on it? And what's Calvin's take on it? And what's common theists takes on it? Is he going to explain the difference and ex- talk about what's the superior understanding? He's not. He's not. He's what he does is he does this little skimming thing where he doesn't care about any depth whatsoever to any of his arguments. And we can talk about it.
1: Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me when I was when there was not yet not one.
0: So in, in the in the cross examination about this verse, Matt Slick's claim as this this verse is just about all our days that we're going to be alive are recorded like Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday. Nothing about those days. Nothing about our activities during those days. Just our number of days are in this little book. It's crazy. He's a crazy man. And did he make that up on the spot? To avoid some sort of implication? Yeah. What Maslick does is he does that. He just makes up things on the spot during these rounds, as he as he's going along, and he feigns ignorance of all sorts of things. He claimed he didn't know Jeremiah 18. Even though in his preparation for this open theism debate, he relies on Jeremiah 18, in his in his uh, formation of how his theology works, he relies on it. And I previously had asked him a question in a previous debate that he had with Jesse Morell. I did an internet write-in question about what. The thought to do meant in Jeremiah 18. And he, he, he answered that. He didn't really answer it. And Jesse Murrell didn't hold him to his feet to the fire about that verse, which I, I Jesse Murrell dropped my setup. I set him up for a nice little uh, uh, schooling of Matt Slick that was just dropped. But he knew it then. I, he knew it uh, a couple days before the debate. But all of a sudden, he doesn't know Jeremiah 18 because Matt Slick's dishonest. He's just trying to win debates. He w- doesn't want to... Uh, be exposed where where his theology is poor where it, it's very obvious uh, rejection of what the bible says and uh, he's he's slick he's like an oil slick where he he tries to focus on what he cares about and what he cares about is his speculative philosophy he doesn't care about the bible he wants to focus it on oh his grand ideas about how things work it's
1: like what what but yeah, we're gonna keep going Job 14, 4-5 four <clears throat> Who can make the clean out of the unclean? No one. Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you. And the- If you're
0: going to use a spe- specific emphasis on a specific word, uh, you should probably uh, tell us how that word means exactly what you want that word to mean and nothing else. But he doesn't do that. And in context, Job is lamenting. He's actually making accusations against God. Job is. He's saying, "You, you, you rule this world. You control everything that happens. You, you decide when people die, when when they live. And guess what? Evil people are prospering everywhere. So this is Job criticizing God. He's saying, you are being." unrighteous God you are doing a disservice you are being negligent in your duty Lord how your ruling is wrong and that's that's the context and you know the next debate the day after Will Duffy and Matt Slick had a new debate on is the God of Calvinism evil and all of a sudden you know these references to this Job verse which in context is a criticism of God and how God operates all of a sudden well, those disappear from the debate right but But Job is a character in the story. So, you know, what's he saying? How much uh, stock do we put in what he's saying? Is what he's saying, is it uh, hyperbole because he's in pain and in anguish? Uh, How much of it is uh, true? How much of it is just outlash? We, We don't know. We don't know. So this, as one of your proof texts, probably a pretty bad proof text for what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, Job did get more accolades than his friends his friends were the calvinists who said everything happens for a reason and matt slick believes that too the world as it is is to the god's greatest glory that's the standard calvinist line and uh job's friends were like that they're the calvinists and god hated those guys god hated them his limits
1: you have set so that he cannot pass that doesn't work in open theism daniel 9 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city, to finish the disc- the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision. And-
0: so God's plans, God's
1: plans, uh,
0: God can make plans, and that proves uh, Matt Slick is right. Did you give any thought whatsoever to your proof texts? These are the proof texts you picked. Uh, did you give any thought, Matt Slick, to if your proof texts actually prove the points that you're trying to make? You, you give zero examination to these verses, do you? Prophecy and
1: to anoint the most
0: holy place. There's a lot more scriptures, but
1: don't have time.
0: <laughs> those were those were my three most important and uh, hard-hitting ones that I picked from from all my tons of verses that I absolutely have, of course. They... They exist, trust me, I'm Matt Slick. I'm not dishonest. I don't lie about things like in my knowledge of Jeremiah 18. I don't lie, lie through my teeth about things. I'm not dishonest, you are relying totally on emotions and logical fallacies. My name is Matt Slick.
1: To continue, Mr. Duffy says, quote, God cannot exhaustively know the future free will choices of people. If he did, then they're not free, close quote. Now this is an email he gave me.
0: Um, and so what sense was he using that? Uh, he's using this knowledge in the Calvinistic way, where knowledge is 100% fact-based, nothing can change it. So let's listen to Matt Slick's counter a- example that he's going to throw out here. And then we're going to discuss if, if it's rational. And this is all philosophy, keep in mind. This entire debate's called "Is Open Theism a Proper Representation of the God of the Scripture?" And uh, his whole opening round is all about philosophy, 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 philosophy. And uh, Will Duffy, if he was uh, a little bit more keen to how debates work, he should have he should have pounded this over and over. All Matt Slick's points, all his evidence was all philosophy that he made up in his own head, and he didn't appeal to the Bible for his for his uh, logical argumentation. He he glances at a couple scriptures, but he doesn't understand those scriptures. He didn't talk about how those scriptures prove the points that he's trying to make.
1: This doesn't work. Now here's why, you gotta listen. A choice is free if it is not coerced or caused by an, an external influence. What are you talking about? So let's say that God knows which shirt I'm gonna wear tomorrow. But his knowledge of my choice ahead of time is descriptive, not causative. They are different. Foreknowledge is not the same thing as causation anymore. than my knowing the sun will rise tomorrow causes it to happen.
0: So all philosophy. He's appealing to philosophy. And let, let's talk about this a little bit. I talked to Matt Slick after the debate the first night. I'm sitting there. My sister, my brother-in-law, Jason. And he, Matt Slick said to me, I know... Jason will go to the car because he's trying to illustrate this where foreknowledge does not equal causation. And he said, I know, I know there could be like a meteor strike or something, but I foreknow that Jason's going to go to his car and leave to go home. And I, I interjected, I, I, I interjected into his train of thought and he doesn't like this because he's, he's like seriously like autistic. Like when I say that, it's not like a joke. He's got some like serious mental issues. Like he has these little ticks, and he needs things a certain way. He doesn't like tapping. He doesn't like there are children playing in the background and he couldn't think or operate when there there's child noises going on in the background. He's got some like serious mental issues. No joke. No kidding. And he admits to that. He says he has Asperger's, but he's got serious mental issues. And so I, I interrupted his train of thought. He didn't like that. So he's, he's autistic like that. Autistic where he he's like single mindedly focused and he wants to bring you through seven steps of logic and uh, w- even just one of those has to collapse and then he's off his train of thought he can't prove his point if you don't agree with every th- single step up to that if you if you cut off one of those steps and that's what you got to do and and I did that to him on several occasions and he doesn't know how to handle that he he's he's not used to that and he likes to just railroad people with his points. And remember my general rule of thumb is if uh, you're, you're going over one more than one jump of logic, more than one uh, step of logic, probably whatever you're getting at is completely fabricated, 100% fabricated. So what he likes to do is string seven things together and this plus this, and then you add something we glean tangentially from here and add those together and then we get this. Totally, his entire, theology, everything he talks about is all just fabricated in his own head. But I cut him off. I said, no. So you're going to say that your type of knowledge doesn't cause stuff, but then you're going to start talking about God and you're going to apply a different type of knowledge to God. You're going to apply this Platonic eternal knowledge that's 100% to can't be wrong. This is equivocation. This is using the same word in different senses at different points of time. And that's what Matt Slick has to rely on to make this point. So let's think about this. If God had object-based knowledge that uh, Jason would go to the car after the debate and drive home object-based, it can't not happen. It's 100% set to happen. Even though that foreknowledge might not be the causative thing, that thing that causes Jason to be fated to do that, that thing is still fated. Something's fading, Jason, do that. So you don't escape this. You don't, just because our knowledge doesn't cause things to happen, we can know things in the future, but you know, it's it's not a hundred percent fact-based knowledge and the future can change even with things that we know is going to happen in the future. I know I'm going to go to work tomorrow. You know, that's going to happen. But if it doesn't happen, it's not like, oh, you didn't know it's going to happen. Nothing like that. And Matt Slick, he uses those definitions as well, as I just talked about. But so he's going to use this different standard of knowledge of God where God knows something's going to happen and not even God, not even God could come in, intervene, tell me what I'm going to, no kidding, do tomorrow, what shirt I, no kidding, will wear tomorrow. God can't tell me that. And then I can't pick something different because in Matt Slick's mind, everything's fated to happen. The entire world can't be other than what it is. And Will Duffy really points this out during the cross-examination that if one molecule of sand was misplaced from the current order of things, his entire theology falls apart. He can't have any deviation from what exists. Which, guess what that does? We're talking still philosophy. We're not talking about the Bible. We're talking philosophy. And this is a debate about the Bible, which that's the funny thing. And, And Matt Slick's all about philosophy. He just wants to talk philosophy. We're still talking philosophy. But in Matt Slick's view... His, his idea of how the world works, God's no different than the laws of physics. God's just just some sort of uh, rules of logic that forces everything to work in certain methods. God's no different than nothingness. God's irrelevant. God's, God's not a thing. He's an impersonal force of nature. And that, that's what Calvinism and uh, Arminianism, who to the extent that they embrace the negative attributes of God, that's what it boils down to is this impersonal force of nature that's not the God of the Bible, not at all, and just some sort of laws of physics. That's what they're worshipping, this impersonal set of laws and rules. God's
1: knowing which shirt I will wear tomorrow is not a causative force. Descriptive foreknowledge is not the same thing as a force that causes a choice to occur or not occur. It's a fundamental issue of logic that you have to overcome.
0: So he always uses these uh, terms like logic. He doesn't understand what logic is. He uses logical fallacies. Logic, of course, is you start with some sort of uh, base, and you get some sort of inference, and you come to some sort of conclusion. And logical fallacy is when your inference doesn't actually lead to your conclusion. Those are laws of logic. What he's using is reasoning, and not any just any particular type of reasoning. Philosophical reasoning based in Platonic categories. This is not biblical categories of thought. And we'll see this further in his opening statement where he starts talking about what it means to be perfect. And it's completely Platonism, 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 not the Bible. He's not relying on biblical categories of thought. And his reasoning is completely pagan,
1: pagan, not from the Bible. Um, To retain this foundational premise, Mr. Duffy will have to logically demonstrate that are descriptive foreknowledge.
0: <laughs> Remember, in Matt Slick's world, the just replace every time he uses the word logic or reason, replace with emotions. You got say He's saying, "Will Duffy, you need to tell, tell me something that appeals to my emotions to make me agree with you."
1: That's 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 Matt Slick's world. Also has a causal effect that forces me to choose a shirt I don't want to choose tomorrow. Yeah, can God?
0: God knows the future, right, in, in Mass, Likes theology. Can God tell me what shirt I will wear tomorrow? I will, will, and then can I choose something else? You know, either God has the foreknowledge of the future and the future is faded or the future is open. Those are your two options, fatalism or openness.
1: There's no other option, no other option. Or thereby denying my free will. To say that God's foreknowledge exerts a causal or restrictive effect upon my choice is an error in logic. Well, I don't don't know anyone who's claiming that. Therefore, God can know the future free will choices of his people exhaustively and at the same time not restrict their free will. This is a foundational principle of open theism, and it doesn't stand, does not stand cross-examination. In an email to, Mr. to me, Mr. Duffy said, or Will said, I don't, quote, I won't say God makes mistakes, but God can expect something and it does not happen. Close quote. That's what a mistake is.
0: You know what rape is? Rape is when you force sex on someone without their consent. And so in that view, God's a rapist. And so what you're doing is using loaded language to appeal to emotions. Matt Slick, because you're dishonest. You don't want to debate. You just want to talk your rhetoric. You want to talk your emotions, and you want to talk your logical fallacies. So unless you're willing to stand up and say, in your view, God is a rapist, uh, you probably shouldn't be talking like that.
1: Um, so God can goof. You ever heard the joke, what's the God of open sea of them say? Oops. Darn, let's go to plan two. Let's go to plan B. I didn't know that was going to happen. No, I haven't heard a joke about the Calvinist.
0: Yeah, have you ever heard the joke about the Calvinist God? Yeah, he just rapes people. Rapes people. Yeah, you like a rape joke?
1: In Psalm 147.5, great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. Both NASB and the King James say infinite.
0: Okay, yeah, so this infinite language. Of course, this is the same word that's used when Joseph is collecting grain. You know, there's going to be this famine in Egypt, and Joseph collects an infinite infinite i'm looking the mass like infinite amount of grain you know it's it's a hyperbolic it's generalization and it just means a lot or or beyond counting or or some sort of amount that uh, you know it's past even trying to figure out and that, that's what the language about god is in the bible a lot of these comparison statements about god are not that there's no comparison with god so whatsoever like uh, even within those contexts of god verses that say God's incomparable, there are comparisons that are made. What it means is that God's on a different level. God is well above these other things. God has a lot more knowledge than us. God has a lot more understanding. And this verse here, it's talking about God's understanding. So in, in the ancient religions, you ha- you had to have multiple attributes that work together in conjunction. The different gods had knowledge of all things that were happening on earth. They'd, they, they'd have omniscience, quote unquote, they'd be all knowing, but you need to be able to use that knowledge somehow. And the way you do that is to have some sort of attribute like uh, understanding, ab- ability to process information. And that's what this verse is actually about. That God's uh, ability to process and use and understand information is infinite or is incomparable, or that, that's this, this, this key defining f- uh, feature. But Calvinists, they don't like this attribute of God's understanding they they don't they conflate it with god's knowledge because to them knowledge equals understanding it's it's this weird conflation that's that's not being made in this verse it's not what the verse is about so he misunderstands the verse he doesn't know what it's about he he doesn't understand the words being used he doesn't explore other contexts to see how the words are used in other contexts He doesn't apply any critical thinking to this verse, and he just assumes it means his platonic perfection.
1: The debate between Larry Bray and Bob Enyart, he said that I could quote anything in that debate as representing him. Okay, quote. If God knows more today than he knew yesterday, he is is a more perfect God today. Yes. So look at them. He's
0: so mad because uh, he's trying to think in platonic categories. Platonism, and in in Platonism, remember, the perfect cannot change, because if the perfect changes, it becomes less than perfect. In Platonic Theory of Forms, there's this ideal state of every object, like a chair has some sort of ideal form somewhere, that uh, anything in the material world represents a degradation of the ideal state. And these are Platonic categories. In the real world, where real people operate, you know, a perfect baby changes All the time. A perfect river is constantly changing. Perfection is always changing. But only when you get to Platonic categories, Platonism, methods of thinking. It's not biblical theology. Again, this is a debate on is open theism a proper representation of the God of Scripture. And he's talking about Platonism. Specifically, he's appealing to uh, (laughs) Neoplatonic thoughts, categories of perfection, it's not, that's not an appeal to the Bible. It's not biblical categories of perfection. When the Bible says something's perfect, it's usually referring to righteousness. Job is perfect, and Noah is perfect. People are perfect in the Bible. It's not platonic perfection. When God is perfect in the Bible, it's, it's usually appealing to his righteousness, his justice, his, his uh, moral attributes. But go on matt Slick, tell us all about your neoplatonic categories of thought and how open theism is so wrong because they don't affirm platonism in this debate about
1: the bible this is an amazing statement uh, as well as a logical problem that arises out of open theism's faulty view of god
0: not again not a logical problem and remember replace every time he uses the word logical with emotions matt Slick is an emotional creature and because the conclusions, he doesn't like them because it doesn't meet his Platonism. He has to rejection them. And then he confuses that with logic. He confuses that with logic. Uh,
1: if something is perfect, it cannot become more perfect. Otherwise, it's not perfect to begin with.
0: Philosophy, Platonic categories. He's thinking in Platonism. He's not thinking in biblical categories.
1: A perfect square cannot become more perfect by being more square. Yeah, literally... Plato,
0: pull it up the Republic, Plato offers this argument that the perfect does not change. You don't find any of that in the Bible, not described anywhere in the Bible. He's appealing to Plato.
1: Logically, if God is already perfect, he doesn't become more perfect by learning something. Unless, as open theism implies, God is less than perfect now. So where in the
0: Bible do any characters obsess over if God gains something, then he's not perfect, or any change in God? Makes God uh, less than perfect. Where in the Bible are these considerations? Where in the Bible are these categories of thought? People who care about this issue that Matt Slick thinks is critical. He'll call open theism blasphemy, the new apostasy. For not believing these Platonic categories, you don't find in the Bible. You don't find anyone uh, positing that, uh, debating that. Remember, remember, ancient Israel, they were throughout the entire Old Testament fighting notions of false gods. Who's, who's the correct Yahweh and who's a false Yahweh? Fighting false images of God, fighting uh, false idols of other gods, trying to proclaim the true God over false gods. Where are these ideas? Where are these ideas? They're not biblical categories. They're not biblical methods of thought. You are a Platonist,
1: Matt Slick, and you're not a Christian. Once again, this concept of God in open theism reminds me of the concept of the God of Mormonism who's increasing in knowledge and growing in perfection.
0: Right, and so you got the God of Plato, and this is not just a you know, correlation thing, this uh, poisoning the well that he likes to do, this ad hominem he likes to do. Oh, well, Mormons believe this, and we don't like Mormons, so we gotta reject this. No, the Platonism thing is documented in history. Augustine is saying specifically in his confessions that he threw the Bible in the trash, it was all absurd, until he read it in light of Plotinus, Neoplatonist philosopher, who Matt Slick, he doesn't know who Plotinus was, as we as we get from the questions and answers of the next debate. the Is is the god of Calvinism evil? The next debate, he shows that he has zero familiarity with uh, Neoplatonism, with Plotinus.
1: In fact, this brings up something else that is most distressing, which is reminiscent of the god of Mormonism as well, regarding
0: distressing his, his spider senses are going off his emotions are flaring it's distressing oh and what's it going to be is it going to be some sort of biblical thing where open theism fights a clear bible verse that meets all you know this describes what he's going to be claiming in detail or is it just going to be philosophy and emotions philosophy and emotions is that
1: what you're going with i'm going with that one too god's capacity to sin and this is blasphemy folks mm. Mm i quote again from this debate, quote, a stump is not free to sin. God is. Jesus is
0: praiseworthy. So what Matt Slick also does in this debate is he conflates God not sinning with God being incapable of sin. So those are two different things. And Will Duffy believes that God does not sin, but he believes that God can sin. And this is problematic to to uh, Matt Slick, because remember, he's a Platonist, he's not a Christian, he doesn't have biblical concerns, and he doesn't prove his points from the Bible. So he quotes something like uh, a verse about not being able to lie, which is basically all those verses are either in context, the unlying God, or God's incapable of lying on this one promise. And why? Because of uh, God's commitment to that promise is basically the point being made. It's not making a metaphysical case that God cannot, cannot do this in any circumstance, uh, be untrue to this promise. And God goes back on eternal promises in the Bible. Eli's sons, he says, I gave you an eternal promise of an eternal priesthood. uh, But now I see you guys are wicked. You guys are so wicked that I'm revoking that. And I'm going to make this conditional now. So those who serve me, I will bless. And those who don't serve me, I'll curse. Basically, he changes a unilateral unconditional promise to a conditional promise because people turn out differently than he thought would happen that's in the bible that's in the bible so if matt slick if you don't like the bible uh there's other religions so if i were you maybe i'd try to look into um what's what's one that you might really like platonism platonism that might be more your thing matt slick uh not christianity you probably don't like yahweh as we meet him in the bible so you probably wouldn't like yahweh uh, you probably would show nothing but utter contempt for yahweh
1: but uh platonism that that could be a good option you could do that because he would not submit to temptation not that he could not so mr duffy believes that in concert with his open theism god has the capacity to to sin this is a profound theological error that demonstrates the weakness of open theism
0: my emotions. This thing that I said, it triggers my emotions. I'm Matt Slick.
1: dwells in ignorance of two important biblical doctrines, the holy nature of God and the incarnation of Christ. First of all, Hebrews 6.18 says that, quote, it is impossible for God to lie.
0: About what? What does the verse say? Can Can you quote the verse? About what? What's the context say? Is it about God's metaphysical character where God is forced to metaphysically be unable to lie, or is about God's commitment to an eternal promise? Is it about commitment, or is it about metaphysical possibilities?
1: Uh, Matt Slick, waiting for an answer. The impossibility is a result of God's holy nature, not an attitude.
0: <laughs> but since- The impossibility is my allegiance to Plato. My name is Matt Slick.
1: Mr. Duffy agrees that God is capable of sinning, that we must conclude that Mr. Duffy views God's nature as less than perfect and also not completely holy.
0: Here's my criticism of Duffy. Duffy doesn't accept my platonic categories. Huh? Yeah? Yeah. Meh? He's relying on the Bible over there in his round one, just talking about the Bible, and he's rejecting my platonic categories. Can't
1: have that. Can't do that. Instead, his view means that God is progressing, learning, adapting, and being perfected. Yeah, that d- definitely violates everything Plato taught us about God, Platonism.
0: Oof, Will Duffy, doesn't he know what he's doing? What What is he saying? Just
1: as the God of Mormonism is. The second error revealed in the above quote deals with the incarnation of Christ and what is called the communicatio idiomatum, or the communication of the properties. This doctrine states that the attributes of both the divine... I got my
0: doctrines, but I'm not going to prove them from the Bible. I'm just going to state them. And if anyone denies my doctrines, uh, this is the debate about the God of the scriptures. But uh, I got my doctrines. I got my philosophy. I got uh, my own logic in my own head. And I won't examine the Bible or Bible verses or what they mean in context. And uh, just... I'll just assume all my stuff on the Bible. And if you reject it, I got my emotions. You're violating my emotions. My emotion sensor goes off. And, you know, he keeps going on like this. But uh, it goes on for a while. And we'll, we'll do a part two for this. And, you know, I know I say I'm going to do a lot of part twos. I still I still am planning on doing those part twos. So I'll, I'll try to do those. But But we're going to have to cut us off there for tonight. It's getting pretty late where I am. And I got to go get some sleep. But uh, this is Matt Slick, and my emotions dictate everything I say, and I got my platonic philosophy. Signing off. Thank you for listening.